Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. London today is a bustling metropolis, an exciting place to visit and a somewhat safe place to call home. An eclectic mix of people from all over the world live in London, and the crime rate is dropping year on year. In some parts of this vibrant capital, the crime rate is lower than that of much smaller cities in other parts of the UK. However, things haven't always been so safe. Stories and tales of old have echoed around these streets and grown to become that of legend, particularly those of gruesome nature. Today we'll be exploring one of those stories and discovering about London's often bloody past. My name is Nikki Druce and this is Macabre London. With a growing population, building works and the excavation of a new high-speed rail link, it was only a matter of time before the gruesome past London tried to bury would be unearthed. The City of London has some of the most beautiful and well-presented graveyards in the whole world. Highgate Cemetery in North London is visited by over 78,000 people a year. Brompton Cemetery has been the setting for many films, including Mission Impossible and Sherlock Holmes. Abney Park Cemetery in Stoke Newington has a band named after it, and Kensal Green Cemetery has even been host to art exhibitions in recent times. The one thing all of these cemeteries have in common is that they are consecrated ground, meaning that people of a religious persuasion could be buried under the soil. 
Some cemeteries were split into two halves for different religions to be laid to rest separately. Also, those who opted for a non-conformist religion, people known as dissenters, could also take advantage of the sacred ground. If you were wealthy and religious, you basically had the opportunity to let others know long after you were dead. Mausoleums were a way to flash your cash and to let passing visitors know that you were kind of a big deal. Headstones inscribed with a brief sentence to sum up your existence were a way to tell passers-by how much you deserved to be buried under hallowed ground. But what happened if you didn't fit in with the church's rules? If you were an actor, a lady of the evening, a criminal, or if you were simply too poor to be able to afford a religious burial, then you needed an alternative to a churchyard when it came to your final resting place. At times, the death toll was too high to be able to perform official burials, and people were simply stuffed into the ground as quickly as possible to avoid the spread of infection and disease, regardless of their religious beliefs. Unholy bodies found themselves being shoved underground on burial sites where there were no graves, no headstones, or any of the other funereal practices with which the church had become so familiar. Layers of bodies were simply stacked on top of each other like a macabre lasagna. In 1990, Transport for London stumbled across one such burial site when they were building an extension to the Jubilee Line. They found a plot of ground in the middle of Southwark, south of the river, and part of Bankside, a short walk from the Thames and London Bridge. To TfL's surprise, they discovered bones upon bones and a graveyard of such dense population that they had to call in the experts. The Museum of London were contacted, and their archaeology team arrived and began excavating the site. The team exhumed and removed 148 skeletons between 1992 and 1998, matching them together as best they could and trying to discover the stories of what ailed them and led them to their final resting place. The removal of the skeletons only skimmed the surface and it's estimated that 15,000 bodies lay under the surface. Once the bodies were removed, the hunt was on to find out more about the people that were exhumed. What did they do for a living? What conditions were they living in? And what happened to them to cause such a squalid burial? As the plot of land was excavated, interest in its history started to grow. People began their own investigations into what had led to this becoming a pit of despair for those who were not deemed worthy of a religious burial. Uncovering the remains led to a peeling back of the layers of the social history of Southwark and its residents. The top layer of bodies removed were dated as being from the 1800s and records were found that stated the ground was a grave for paupers. The land had reportedly become overcharged with the dead in the 1800s and was seemingly full to the brim with local law stating body parts were sticking out of the ground. The locals complained and the newly set up health board stepped in to close the site. The health board helped to enforce the hygiene regulations that Victorian London so desperately needed to stop more of its inhabitants from heading to an early grave. The slums that bred disease were abolished, housing and water supplies improved, and vaccinating against smallpox became compulsory. Local councils started to compete with each other to provide the safest, cleanest areas to live, and this only improved things for the residents of Southwark. Tests on the exhumed skeletons showed that there were good reasons for the Victorians to close the burial site and clean up the area, with bones showing signs of tuberculosis, smallpox and syphilis, all communicable diseases. It seemed the health board made the right decision. The ground was put up for sale a short while after the closing of the site, and plans for it to be converted into housing were dismissed. 
For the residents of Southwark, the ground, regardless of the lack of its religious standing, was still deemed sacred as those who rested there were friends, family, colleagues or acquaintances. Over the years, as the museum removed more bones, the exhumed bodies began to tell more stories of the way that they died by the marks found upon their bones. The bones revealed some interesting truths about the people that lived and died in Southwark, and their lasting impact on the human form of living in squalid, disease-ridden conditions. The damaging effects of hunger and malnutrition could be found on several remains with examples of rickets, osteoporosis and other bone deficiencies, alongside signs of adenoviruses, commonly known to you and I as a chest infection or a common cold, all cropping up as a result of poor hygiene and a cramped population. Southwark was known as an area of extreme poverty for centuries. In medieval times it earned itself the reputation of being the entertainment and red light district. It was where rich men went to fritter away their money on ale or attend the theatre, which was an altogether tawdry affair, and enjoy themselves with a woman who wasn't their wife. The residents of Southwark soon learned that to make a living, it was best to exploit the wealthy visitors looking to have a good time. The men took to stealing from the inebriated, the children picked the pockets of the theatre queues, and the women used their wiles to their advantage. Those that curiously ventured into the heart of the slums of an evening didn't leave due to being robbed and murdered, or left with a death sentence in the form of syphilis. For women living in the slums, a safer way to make a living was to become a prostitute under the keep of a brothel. Brothels provided relative safety and were required under legislation from the church to provide lodgings, food and a modest paycheck, some of which was kept by the owner for their trouble. The girls who worked in brothels by no means had an easy life, having to work long hours for relatively little food, but they did have a roof over their heads. The women who weren't so fortunate found themselves working the streets where they had no security, no rooms to work in, and were paid significantly less. This was unfortunately the way sex work operated in Southwark for hundreds of years, condemning many of the women who had no other employment opportunities but to sell their bodies to a slow and painful death. A skull removed from the burial site dated to be around the mid to late 1800s showed advanced signs of syphilis on a female. Syphilis takes a long time to get to the severity of causing death, around 10 years in fact, and congenital syphilis passed from mother to child usually results in the child dying soon after birth. The skull that was uncovered was that of a girl, estimated to be between 16 and 19 years of age. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.
Further investigations on remains show the beginnings of medical advancement. Three skeletons showed signs of perimortem surgery. That's surgery that's shortly carried out before death, for those of us who aren't medical professionals. This showed that the nearby Guy's Hospital had possibly tried to save those who were close to death with their latest ideas. As with many new surgical practices, they were unsuccessful, often exacerbating the patient's condition and advancing their expiration date. With a ripe and overflowing burial ground nearby, it can only be presumed that body snatching was carried out by those living in the slums, with the incentive of making a quick penny from the guy's doctors. The saddest discovery at the burial site was the sheer amount of infants that had been laid to rest. Malnutrition and the taboo of breastfeeding throughout the 17th, 18th and 19th century led to babies being undernourished and simply dying from lack of food. Perhaps these children were those of the women who worked in the area. With no family support and still needing to make a living, it was highly likely that babies were seen as an inconvenience from earning a crust, and women would have been faced with tough decisions about unwanted offspring. Go back to work and feed yourself, or provide for a baby with no money. The burials in Southwark were becoming almost civilised towards the end of the time the graveyard was open. Burials were now happening with bodies inside coffins, and during the archaeological dig, nameplates were found, although too rusted and decayed to read. It seemed that this part of Southwark was slowly starting to become civilised, despite it surviving the slum eradication. It's believed the last slum left in Southwark was the street along which the graveyard sat. Perhaps its historical dead residents helped to keep the chaos and squalor alive. The people of Southwark today have embraced the burial ground as a site of historical importance. One local playwright and author, John Constable, has somewhat helped to adopt the site and to keep it alive and preserved. He has written many poems about the ground, and his research shows that the ground was originally cited as a single women's graveyard, a polite term used to refer to prostitutes. The amount of female bodies was certainly a test to that theory, but it was believed to be a pauper's burial ground after the 1700s, and some male bodies of adult age were found during the excavation. The females that were buried at the site are referred to as Winchester geese by locals, a medieval term for prostitutes due to their jurisdiction under the Bishop of Winchester, who licensed their business, the hypocrisy of the church in practice. Although that may be the case, this could be deemed as disrespectful to those women buried at the site who didn't participate in such activities. There was public uproar from local residents when Transport for London was still going to go ahead with building upon the site in 2015. With so much visceral history beneath the ground at the risk of disappearing, a compromise was made to section the site into two parts, one area becoming a car park and storage ground for TfL, and the other area to be turned into a memorial garden with a three-year lease. The residents of Southwark leave vigils and shrines tied to the metal railings on the outside of the site to memorialise the dead who may have been forgotten. The railings have become such an iconic visual reminder that they were moved to the memorial garden side of the site when the agreement was reached. I've added a photo to the Acast player and used it for the thumbnail for this episode as the colourful ribbons are a sight to be seen. The ground was seemingly unnamed until the name Crossbones appears in the 1800s. Perhaps the name was to refer to the sheer amount of stacked remains or maybe as a spoken memento mori to the forgotten stories of the colourful characters who lived and died in some of the most trying conditions London had ever seen. In 2016, the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, 
promised that planned building works for much-needed affordable housing would again bring London's poorer residents back to the area of Southwark, risking the ground being lost forever, but once alerted to the importance of the site and its history contained within, he granted that the ground would not be touched when the building works were commenced. The ground is safe for now, and its occupants can once again be at rest, but for this plot of prime land in the centre of London, things will never be easy. But that's okay. What lies beneath has seen harder times than a few pieces of red tape. Coming up next time on Macabre London. Medicine throughout history has had some interesting interpretations of what would heal the sick and infirmed. London was pioneering in its surgery and medicinal practices. That meant that the operations carried out were more of an experimental nature than necessarily a definite cure. Join us next time to discover why a well in Soho helped to cure a whole nation. Hear the story of a young nurse who learned how to eradicate infection from her workplace and how if you suffered the plague, you would be subjected to some interesting treatments involving frogs. It's probably a good idea to not be eating whilst you listen to that one. We'll see you next time. If you've liked this episode of Macabre London, then please rate, review, subscribe and share our podcast. If you'd like to find out more about the show, then please head to our website at macabrelondon.com. Our Facebook page, Macabre London, and our Twitter, at Macabre London. We also have an Instagram as well, which is at Macabre LDN. We'd love to hear your thoughts on our episodes, but also find out what you'd like to hear us investigate next. You can email us at macabrelondon at hotmail.com. That's M-A-C-A-B-R-E-L-O-N-D-O-N at hotmail.com. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Macabre London. Macabre London is written, performed, and produced by Nikki Druce, with additional editing by Neil Murray. Musical credits for each show are in the episode description. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. 
That's stamps.com code program.